When I founded ecocious.com.au, Australia's one-stop shop for sustainable luxury shopping, I had a very clear vision and criteria for the kinds of brands we would be promoting and sharing with you and the world. I'm so honored to be sharing this podcast with you today as I truly believe this special guest has superseded our expectations beyond what I could even imagine was possible for a fashion brand. If you've been following along with the behind the scenes on my Instagram, you would already know who I'm talking about, James Bartle, founder and CEO of Outland Denim. I won't spoil too much as this episode is packed with eye-opening stories and experiences from James's last 12 years in business, but I will say how inspired I have been feeling since chatting with him in person, knowing that there are people just around the corner, literally we're almost neighbors, <laughs> doing exceptional things in the world for the world. James and the team at Outland Denim have been working hard to prove their innovative ways of operations are both profitable and sustainable long-term. Not only have they been successful in proving this, which now shows the industry a new way we can do things, they are also able to facilitate manufacturing for other brands transitioning to more cleaner methods of production. The way their company is set up is truly remarkable. Not only are they providing a solution to the inconceivable environmental issues we are facing today, a lot of that is coming from the fashion industry, they are also providing a life after slavery to human trafficking victims. I wanted to chat to James and ask all the questions I'm sure you're already thinking. Here's James. I'm here today with James Bartle, CEO and founder of Outland Denim. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited that I'm here to talk to you. What are you grateful for today and what are you excited for at the moment? Uh, well, hey, great to be here. I'm so stoked to be able to talk to you. There's so many things I'm grateful for today. I mean, look outside of the weather. It's 23 degrees and blue skies. I've got my kids at home on holidays. There's so much good stuff. And you know, I'm, I'm really excited about what's happening in our industry and with our brand and the opportunities that just seem to be getting bigger and and more of them as well. So what that says to me is that the, uh, the world is moving in the right direction, wanting to be able to be a part of a solution. Tell me more about that. You guys have been in the game in the sustainable space for a while now, so you would have been able to observe how the market has moved. Because I think a lot of people in this space can be negative and are quite doom and gloom. So it's so nice to speak to somebody who shares the same views that I do about being positive in this space. What is it in particular do you think that people are looking for now that they weren't before? I remember like 10 years ago when we started on this journey and you talk to people about the potential of the impact you could have using fashion and you know, the, you'd see their eyes glaze over and it was something that just wasn't really understood widely, that there was a the real potential to address some of the big issues that we now know today to be reality. So um, today I can see that there's a massive shift in that, you know, more people are concerned and, and many are fearful of what could be coming. You know, for me personally, I sit in the place of it just should align, everything that we do should align with our own personal values. So that means, you know, humanity should be being lifted up all the time. You know, we should be looking for opportunities to be able to benefit one another. Um, all the people that make the products that we consume should be benefited. And at the same time, when I think about global warming or, you know, the conversations that are happening, are happening around the environment, I think that this is just a no-brainer. Regardless of whether you think things are changing or not, doesn't even matter to me. For me, it's really about um, we have one planet, if there's a better way to treat it, we should definitely be doing that. And if we haven't come up with that way yet, we should be looking to find it. And so that's why I think that consumerism 
is such an exciting thing. It's an exciting thing because it's potentially the thing that unlocks impact just as a result of being. And that's really the goal of Outlander. I was actually thinking, um, I know a lot of brands in the sustainable space are really tackling on the environment side, but obviously at Outlander, you guys have the two core pillars of being social and also environment. That was obviously something that you guys have had since the start and something that you would foresee as being not just something that's trending now, but that's really important and, like like you said, impactful to the people that are, like, working with you, for you, all the way down the line to, from the people that source the, the fibre fabric to the garment makers. And I know that you guys have actually created your company to support human trafficking victims. That's right. When did that come to fruition for you? When did you realise, you know, obviously you felt quite deeply connected to this issue and you wanted to do something about it how did that all happen yeah for sure well i think the first thing to point out is that you know we started our brand because we wanted to create a solution to um you know social injustices and environmental degradation and you know um really outland is is the representation of that desire um it started about 11 nearly 12 years ago for me though it was after um, having been exposed to the realities of human trafficking. And, you know, I just couldn't believe that that was still a reality today, that there was more slaves by number today than there ever has been in history. You know, to me, that's mind-blowing. I was at an event one day and I met a rescue organisation that specialised in the identification and rescue of young girls in Asia that had been stolen and sold into, into various industries. And... I was given the opportunity to go and see the reality for those young ladies on the ground. And we started in Thailand and it was on on that particular part of the trip that everything changed for me. I was in a place called Walking Street, which they tell me was the sex capital of the world. And we're walking through and to be honest, at the very beginning, it wasn't that impactful. It was, I mean, it didn't feel great, but it didn't feel like what I expected. I was looking around and there were smiling faces and, you know, to the uneducated eye, they appeared to be happy. And the representative that was showing me around said he'd take me further and he took me out of the main tourist area and out into this other darker place. And as we walked along, I saw this little girl that was for sale and she was really intimidated. She was scared. It was it was clear that it may have been her first night on the job. And, you know, when I saw that, that was one of those moments that it does, it pulls you up in your tracks. I had two nieces of my own at the time and I just remember thinking about those two girls and thinking, you know, where is this little girl's dad or her uncle or who's, who's looking for her or how did she end up here? And, you know, as I, as I spoke to a representative about what could we do for her, he said, James, if you look around, these little girls are everywhere. And with that, I think, was the moment that I decided that I was going to be part of the solution. And at that point in time, I didn't really know what that looked like, but I had a keen interest in denim. I loved it for lots of reasons, what it stands for, the heritage and everything that sort of sits below denim i didn't realize it was one of the worst perpetrators of destroying the environment i didn't realize it was so resource intensive i didn't realize it was the perfect product to change the world with but today i believe that that naivety was actually something that worked to our benefit meant that we weren't scared to tackle it and it meant that we were able to use a product that's one of the worst perpetrators of both social and environmental degradation become the solution wow from what I read online, that only scratched the surface. I definitely could imagine, yeah, wanting to do something like colossal after seeing something like that. Denim, I know, is really not great for the environment. Um, so many factors go into it. The cotton being one of the 
main ones. Can you tell me how, because obviously with um, your process of how you guys are creating denim, how do you save water and energy as opposed to, say, standard cotton producers for someone who wouldn't really understand just like the basics yeah sure well look i mean it all starts you know with the kind of cotton or the fiber that you're using and you know the energy and water chemicals that are used in the process so i mean there's a number of things that we need to think about when we're making a product and it's not just though the workers who are um who are actually growing the fibers or harvesting or making the fabrics um it's it's also the end consumer the person who puts that fabric on their body every single day mm-hmm. think about your skin being the largest organ of your body and yet every day we're putting these toxic chemicals on it through the clothing layer. so i think if we're genuine and you know our slogan is good for humanity if we're genuine about that we would think about that entire process and go well how do we create a product that is doing no harm and so that does it starts with organic cotton for us mm-hmm. versus conventionally grown cotton and the reason yeah. for that is um, because of the chemical or the, or the lack of chemicals that are used in growing organic. Yeah. Um, go through our mills and at the mills where the fabrics are made, it's the kinds of dyes that we use. So it could be a vegetable-based dye. Mm-hmm. Um, no harmful chemicals getting used in any of that. And then through our manufacturing facilities, and that's the laundry process where a lot of the nasty stuff happens. Yeah. So there's, it's very energy-intensive, water and chemical-intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, the, the way we address those things, the first thing is a laser machine. So literally, it's the most incredible thing to see, you know, the genes blow up on this um, mannequin. And then you've got these laser beams that shoot at the genes and give it distressing and effects. Once upon a time, that was done with a lot of energy, a lot of water and a lot of like hand activity as well. Mm-hmm. So manual scraping, those kinds of things. It then goes through to other technologies like eFlow, which is incredible in that it uses nanobubbles and it, it mists these nanobubbles over the fabric. So that's different to submerging it in thousands of litres of water and chemical. And then the kind of chemical that's misted over the fabric is different as well in that it's an organic base. Again, no harmful additives in there. And so it means that the end result of that is that it's something that you'd be okay to put on your skin. And then we go to ozone, which is another one, which yeah. is huge, huge in saving on the chemical side, especially in not using any toxic bleaches that's traditionally used in a lot of the washed out and vintage looking jeans that we all like to wear today. So these three bits of technology completely change the outcomes from an energy, water and chemical perspective to where you get to the end product and it, it feels better. It feels better because of the, the lack of anything nasty in it and it's soft because of organic fibres. And so you've just got a product which is ultimately better. Yeah, 100%. Being um, a lot more conscious with your water use and your chemicals, you're not having that thing that people would never remember, which is the water waste that comes out of a lot of the manufacturing companies and that is going into our water systems. And Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, one of the one of the other areas that we, we don't necessarily consider is once we've bought the product. Yeah, and so, end of life. <laughs> you know, um, often we don't think about if we buy a cheap pair of jeans, for example, or we use something that might have some recycled fibers in it, and the, the quality of those recycled fibers isn't as good as the virgin fibers. And so we're wearing them, they're going out of shape, we're then throwing it in the washing machine, in the dryer, and you think about the energy, not to mention the microplastics that shed every time we wash it. Now, yeah. in an area like Tamarind Mountain, where we are today, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different yeah. um, in the way that those those fibres make it to the ocean. They don't, but it's the fibres that are washed in the metropolitan areas yeah. making it out into the ocean. Now you've got these microplastics. So there's a, there's a lot to consider in it, and it's you know very important that we really do consider that full life cycle of a product, so mm-hmm. end consumer as well, yes. where really a lot of the damage is happening. But like you say, 
It's the way the water is managed and treated so before water can be discarded back out into be used in any other way. Like it's how is it treated and what's in it in the beginning. And so that's what's important to us. Wow, that's amazing. You've obviously come a really far way since you started. When you started, did you have a game plan in place, an idea of how everything was going to connect and how you were going to, or was it just learning as you went? Yeah, look, it was. I wish I could say I had this great strategy yeah. and, um, <laughs> and, you know, that I've been very strategic about it. But no, that, that wasn't the case. I started with this bleeding heart for an issue yeah. that I saw and I, I believed that it was going to be an economic solution that was going to create the greatest change. And that's why we chose this. And, and ever since, it's been stumbling one foot over the next, you know, but getting there. And I think it's the determination to really see that our industry could become one of the greatest avenues for change in both these environmental and social issues. So yeah. I think it's that, um, that hope that keeps you going and, you know, learning and just trying to recreate. You know, if you have a strategy sometimes, which is which I highly recommend, but, you know, sometimes you get locked into this is how it's going to be done. But we need to adapt you know, nearly weekly on things that don't happen the way we think or we want or finding that we're having a negative impact in something that we didn't even realise we were, you know. So there's those moments and we need, you need to stay nimble and ready to adapt and change to create the, the greatest outcome possible. Mm. What you said before, brands and companies being able to make impact in the world, that's so true because, like, for example, I could go and buy denim from, you know, like cotton on or I could buy denim from Outland Denim. And what you gain so much, obviously you get a better product, like that's a no-brainer, but your money actually has a ripple effect and it has purpose. It's not just I'm buying the cheapest, quickest thing that I can use for half an hour. Like everything's so disposable these days. What you're doing is you're like, this purchase that I'm making is actually going to make the world a better place. That's just that's just fact. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's what's a lot of people are quite fearful of where the world's going mm. and they don't realize their power they don't realize right. their power in every purchase that they make it's like if you support this company and this is how they want the world to be that's how it's going to be if you support this company over here that's just after some profit and they don't really care how they leave the world then we're you know like fair enough be scared you know what i mean yeah, yeah absolutely i mean we often say that you activate a cycle of freedom by purchasing this product and mm. you know i think that's where extensive change can happen is if we are generating products that leave not just humanity but the planet better because we made the product then every time we go shopping every time we use something consume something potentially we're having a positive outcome and you know i think that's like i said earlier that is the dream for outlanders to create those kinds of scenarios you could absolutely say the most powerful thing anybody can do is vote with their dollars buy from the brands they believe align with their own personal values exactly and you guys over the years as you've developed you've gained a lot of momentum and support and you've actually been able to impact so many lives. It flows out into community and there'd be like a thousand odd people that would be impacted directly as a result of our operations with our production facility. But the goal is, is to move the industry. So what we've just started doing now is starting to make for other brands as well. Amazing. And so we can use their brands to grow and extend this kind for of sure. impact. So um, the impact can be as big as the fashion industry wants it to be. We've proven it's possible. Mm. Um, but now really it comes down to brands deciding whether they're willing to part with some of the margin to be able to create these kinds of outcomes. Exactly. With the facility that you went and visited um, and how you are operating at the moment, how did you manage to interlink the two together? What was the process and, and how easy is it now for you to continue sort of your operations? 
Yeah, well, we, we own the operation of our manufacturing. So we've got complete control over the hiring and firing and, you know, all of the, everything goes with running a business. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, um, to begin with, it was really aligning with different NGO partners. So the, the ones that specialised in the rescuing, the identification and aftercare of, you know, young women predominantly who had been found themselves in these, these terrible situations. Um, we aligned with them um, and then they come on and work with us. They get trained, they get this education yeah. um, around various things. It could be financial education. Mm-hmm. So how do I budget? I'm earning more money than I've earned before. Making sure they've got security around those things so that they can plan for the future, have an education for their children, yeah. healthcare, rent, all of the things that go with that. Um, and so once we, we had that model in place, uh, we started testing it. And so the first six years of operations was really about proving the um, mainly social outcomes as a result of this kind of employment, what would happen. And we were getting the most, you know, I mean, if you look behind you there, there's a picture of a, a young girl. She's the very first person that we ever employed. And um, her particular story is, is just mind-blowing. You could write a movie on it along with many others now. Um, in our workforce, but, you know, she was sexually exploited. Um, she came into employment over a number of years. She was able to build a home for her family, and her family previously lived under a plastic sheet. Now, to you and I, I mean, that sounds extreme, um, but to so many poor people around the world, that is reality, and that's what makes them so vulnerable to being taken advantage of and therefore becoming someone who becomes enslaved. Um, and you think that's an amazing story. You know, she's, she's reporting that she feels she has no dignity because of the things that she's had to experience. Um, maybe she'll never marry. All these things, these fears that she has, to then become the breadwinner, the person that builds a home for her family, lifts them up out of poverty. She starts to report that she feels that she's got dignity again. You know, and that's not any doing of the brand. That's 100% her doing. The brand gave her an opportunity and gave her the tools to be successful, and she was. But the most remarkable part of that story is she goes on to say that um, she was able to buy her sister back from a man that owned her. Now, can you even imagine? You know, no, the, I've got three younger sisters. I can't imagine that. So to be somebody who was exploited in the way she was to become the person who was able to find a way out for them is, I guess, the ultimate outcome. That's what we're looking for. And so when we say that when you buy our products, you activate a cycle of freedom, that's what you activate. You activate those opportunities for more people. She's now the person who's out there fighting for the next one who's exploited versus just fighting for her own freedom. Yeah. Um, so it really, rights. really works. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. That's um, Is she still with you guys or has she moved? She She's is, oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah, 11 years on. Wow, I love that so much. Uh, it would be so nice where you are now seeing you know that you were able to bring this to life bring your dream to life well the, well, the brand is only five years old and so we're, we're really still in the pilot stage it takes a long time to prove those kinds of social environmental outcomes but we're we're now at the stage where we're ready to launch we're so to speak we're ready to go to the world and show the world we're here and the products that we've got and the impacts that can be had through those products. Yeah, obviously, you guys have a really amazing relationship on a day-to-day basis with your employees as well. I know that they're treated so amazingly, like you said, not only employ and give them this opportunity, but you're also giving them extra skills outside of that. But I wanted to ask, how has um, this journey with Outland Denim changed your perception on anything? Oh, has man. it changed? Yeah. My perception now versus 11 years ago, you know, 11 years ago, I think I remember walking into a situation where, um, you know, it was it was difficult. It was hard to sort of make 
make ends meet. Um, you know, cash flow was was such a huge issue, and you know, it was a um, just a tough time of life. And walking into these young ladies who were working really hard to try and make a gene. I mean, we we didn't have the right instruction for them. Everything was was chaotic. But I. When they'd make a mistake, I'd go, don't worry about it, I'll pay you anyway, we're paying per piece, it's all I could do at the time. And this guy came to me and he goes, you know that you're actually robbing them by doing that. And I said, I, I didn't understand, you know, I was, I was operating out of pity for them. And then after a little while, as I started to realize that if I gave them the, the right tools for them to succeed themselves, the outcome would become very different. And in fact, I couldn't pity them because whilst I was pitying them, it was, it was holding them back from being successful. And when we changed to starting to look at it like um, equipping them versus it's okay, like a charity menta- mentality, mm-hmm. um, I'll give you the handout. Yeah, yeah. Everything started to change in the social outcomes for the individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a huge thing. And then the other thing was like just the cultural differences. We're working in Cambodia where our production facilities are. You know, I operate the Australian way. I think the way you run a business, the way you do a conflict, the, all these things is done the way I've been modeled. Mm-hmm. It was a really big um, shift in, I guess, my understanding of how to operate in another culture. It took years and it's still, still changing to this day. Um, but realizing that the benefits to their culture are the things that are going to help us succeed. Mm-hmm. Whilst we try and change them to be like us or operate like us, it's going to be. Um, it's, it's always going to be difficult. They're not going to enjoy it. They're not going to get the best, and we need to equip them within the context of their own culture. So I'd say they're the two big things: is learning not to pity um, those because we feel so sorry for what for them for what they've experienced, and also to understand that their culture is actually um, or working within their culture is actually um, the key to being successful. Anything that you'd like customers of fashion um online shoppers anyone who likes the fashion industry what would you like to share with them some hard facts or reality about their favorite industry yeah well this is amongst the most exploitive industries in the world and so unfortunately you know as much as we all love it and we love to be able to buy you know beautiful clothes and um feel good about it most of the time we can't feel good about it most of the time, in fact, if we knew what happened behind the scenes, we would be easily able to say that it doesn't align with our own personal values and it would go completely against them. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that there is something that's very clear around price point. You know, um, a certain price point is very clear that someone or something has had to give up something for it to be at that price. And so I think um, asking ourselves that question um, Many brands that are, that are fast fashion brands are exploiting uh, people and planet. And I'd probably go as far to say that, in fact, those brands might not even be profitable if they are measuring the social and environmental outcomes of their business. So I think they're the things that we need to consider. But the last thing I'd probably like to say is that you're the solution. And um, I know that when all of us, you know, we, we address that issue of what are my values, what do I stand for? We can all align on that we want the best for humanity and we want the best for the planet. And so I think when you go shopping next time, think about those two things. And it's very hard because brands are very manipulative in the way they do their marketing and so it is hard to know which brand is or isn't doing the right thing. And hopefully more tools will come out that are accurate to be able to help on that journey. Mm -hmm. But for now, the next step is just to be 
aware of it, just to be conscious of the fact that everything I buy says that I condone this brand or this product or this um, particular business. Yeah, like you're literally a representative of that brand when you're wearing or buying from them. Is this a brand that you actually want to rep? Like you exactly. can't put your head in the sand yeah. any longer. We yeah. know what's going on. So I guess that leads into the last couple of questions, which is if somebody is listening to this today and they've felt so moved and they want to be sustainable, um, ethical shopper, what would your advice be? Or just like lifestyle wise, like that's in their mentality, that's in their ethos now. What advice would you give to them to start out? Well, again, I think um, at the moment, one of the best things that we have available to us on an environmental level is buying less. That is the reality. I don't believe that's a good long-term solution. Right now, yes. Long-term, no. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to consume. And there's this pretty staggering piece of research that a guy by the name of Kevin Bales did working for the University of Nottingham. And his research found that if slavery were a country, it would be the third largest emitter of CO2 right behind China and the US. So when you think about that, you realize that by buying less you're creating less employment and opportunities for the most most vulnerable people in the world. By doing that, are you actually doing something that's worse for the planet rather than better? So the only solution that I see is that consumerism becomes that answer. And the only way consumerism becomes that answer is when brands that are operating in a way that benefits the planet and the people are the brands that the majority shop from. And so really that's that's our whole uh, philosophy and what we're working toward. And you as a shopper um, play a part in that. And we're so grateful for the community that have gathered around us, those that really do care about these issues mm-hmm. um, because that's what's made it possible to get to here. Absolutely. Now we share a lot of the same feelings and views at Akosha's. It's sort of like, yeah, you can buy this generic thing from this corporation and they've just made it the cheapest they can to get the most profit so it goes around everyone. But Or you could just purchase something from a boutique like that's their craft that's their specialty you're improving the local economy you're you know you're not creating all this mess and you're not hurting all these people along the way and I think that it's it's a perception shift that we're really looking for now you know we've got all well not all but we've got a lot of brands that are maybe not as amazing as Outland Denim but they're doing amazing things for the world and they're not that hard to find yeah it's just yeah making that that internal choice of what do you stand for? Who are you going to stand with? Because the time's like now. The time is now. There's no yeah. question. Yeah. Obviously, you've got days where things are amazing and you guys are killing it, but there would be days that are hard for you in business like anyone else. I just wanted to ask um, if you have a method, routine, ritual or mantra that you do that you, that you do consistently that allows you to show up as your best self. Because you have a lot of, I would sort of, in a weird way, consider them dependents, you know, your employees and the people that you are looking after as well as giving opportunities to. So I think that the pressure of that could sometimes be a lot. Do you have something? How do you stay centered? How do you stay in your yeah. power? Yeah, good question. Look, for me, it's, it's really simple. You know, I've got a Christian faith and I just, I just my worldview is that. I just, I just think that we were created um, to be able to, you know, work with each other, love each other and care for each other and the planet. You know, and so it's pretty simple going, I feel like I'm working, I'm a very, very, very small piece of a much bigger puzzle. And so um, I just have to do my little bit and I have to do my best. And if I fail, I fail. It doesn't make it easier at the time, of course, but when you've got a perception of something that's it's bigger than me, um, it doesn't 
have to feel like the whole world's on your shoulders. And and look, there's been many times it does feel like the world's on my shoulders and, and I really do fear for how do you make sure you can continue to employ people that are that are in real need. And the last three years is the greatest example. Yeah. It has been such a difficult time for our business to be able to continue to grow and to continue to offer employment opportunities and it's been the biggest setback, something that I never imagined I was going to have to, you know, navigate through. But, you know, I think that's where it comes back to having the right team and having a really solid team of people who are as committed as you are to the same outcome. And Outland Adam attracts those kinds of people and that's, I think, another part of what makes it easier to get there. You're, you're not on your own. There's, you know, 10 other people in this particular office that are on the same journey, heading in the same direction as you, as passionate to see that kind of change. So, um, you know, we got to surround ourselves with good people and, you know, walk together. That's amazing. And I think there'd be so many people listening to this right now that would love to connect with you. So what is the best way if somebody wanted to connect with you, support Outland Denim, what would you, what, what channels and yeah. yeah, how would they reach out? Or Yeah, well, absolutely reach out. You can reach out just on our website or through Instagram um, and, you know, you can be directed through to me um, or whoever else you might want to, want to talk to here. You know, we've got great people. But um, and then if you're wanting to support the brand, you know, it's, it's buying and talking about the product, you know, that, as you've done, you know, it's, yeah. it's, those, it's those things that really help us continue to, to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think it's, again, like we said earlier, it's all because of those that support us by buying our product that we're mm-hmm. able to really have the impact we are. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, wait, sorry. I have one more question. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you believe it is possible to create a more beautiful environment for all on earth? What do you envision for the future and how can we collectively get there? You know, I, I think that's a really good question because I genuinely believe that it is possible for us to create a, a much nicer place to live in. And I don't just mean because of the environment. I actually mean because primarily because of the relationships. And, you know, I think there's this myth that we've been sold and it's like in, innately kind of in us we might even think because we're, you know, people and somewhat selfish. But, you know, the joy you get from giving and if it could become habit for us all to go, I would rather give than to get, then you think about the world that you would create and how different it would be. I think that that would have repercussions across not just the social realms, but across environmental realms as well, because 100%. we would start to change our worldview and how we think about everything. You know, I'm walking along the footpath and I see a piece of rubbish. Is it my responsibility or, or should I leave it for someone in the council to pick up? You know, I think I think it's those little tiny changes that change all of us and the fulfillment. You know, I, I, it was only like a couple of weeks ago, I dropped my daughter at school and um, it was early, she's going to school camp and I walk out and all the wheelie bins are at the front of the school and they're knocked over and I... Like, oh, that is, that's disgusting. Uh, I walk past them, step over it, go up to my car, and I sit down there and I look across back at those bins and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm such an asshole. Like, you know, those someone has to pick that up. And I went back and then um, started picking it up and another guy then comes and helps me pick it up because I'm picking it up. And it, and it showed me that you've just got to act. And yeah. if you act with someone else's best interests before your own, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I can always do that, but... You know, that's the, that's the goal, yeah. to be able to do that every time. No one and others are inspired to do it, and it just grows and grows and grows. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for sharing your story. If you want to go check out what Outland Denim are doing, I'm going to leave all the links below. Thank you so much for joining me. Man, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Cheers. Amazing.
If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us on wherever you listen to podcasts. Share it with a friend. Share it on your social media. Let us know what you thought. We'd love to hear from you. If not, sit tight and wait for the next episode. We have a female-founded company in the luxury fashion space. I'm not giving anything away. You're going to have to tune in next week.